Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bleeding Green Podcast, episode 22. My name is Caden. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, on today's episode, I'm really just going to go through uh, kind of just a few different topics. The Summer League game last night, uh, Summer League game, the first game against the Miami Heat, and then the crazy game that was last night against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and then I was going to do um, – I don't think anyone's joining me today, but I'm pretty sure next week um, I'll have two guests next week. So that'll be fun. Um, but I just kind of wanted to do um, top five Celtics players of all time. So I'm just going to pick my top five, give two honorable mentions and just kind of go through what I think. Um, but I just wanted to first, you know, go through uh, some topics um, in the Celtics world. That's obviously uh, relevant. Um, what's been happening around, you know, the Celtics, you know, in terms of uh, announcing players, Gallinari's coming, Brogdon got confirmed today. Uh, both of them actually got, or Gallinari got confirmed yesterday. And then um, both of them came to Boston, got their jerseys. Um, so I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, I was ecstatic to see all of them just like, together like both of them like actually um like on the team like wearing the like actually holding up the jersey and like being like you know this is this is what I want to do for my the future of my career and this is why I think this is going to be so successful um and it's just you know Gallinari's number eight and Malcolm Brogdon's going to be number 13 um so it's it's going to be extremely exciting um heading towards the future in terms of you know I think Brogdon was, you know, he talked about, you know, having to sacrifice as the six-man role. And he said, you know, whatever he's got to do, it's a legendary organization. And Gallinari, he grew up a Celtics fan. And, uh, you know, it's it's always been his dream from, I think it was Brogdon's um, grandfather who died recently, was a huge Bill Russell fan. So, uh, you know, Gallinari, he, he can't wait um, to wear the Celtics colors. And that's exactly what I'm just ecstatic about. Like someone that really, really, really wants to play for the Boston Celtics. You know, we talked about it last time with Brady, like Gallo adds a different element of offense to the Celtics that not many players have added, you know, in, from the tax player mid-level accession before the Celtics have signed. Um, so they're getting a new dimension, a new player that can do a variety of things. Um, he stated in his press conference today, you know, he said many reasons, but I think, but when I think about the Celtics, I grew up with my dad since I was a little kid being a Celtics fan, being a Larry Bird fan. So when the Celtics came on the table, it was almost like a no brainer. You walk, even in this facility, you look around and see what's going on around the banners and history and everything the Celtics are about. It was an easy choice. And that's just music to uh, hopefully all of your ears Celtics nation's ears I mean it's just awesome to see a player you know not sign for a significant amount of money be just committed all in to the Boston Celtics and you know he's played for a lot of teams he has played for so many teams you know being drafted in 2008 as like the a top 10 you know now he's with the Celtics and now he's just like what is he gonna do and I'm excited to see what he can do on the offensive end you know Apparently, it says the uh, Gallinari also stated he goes the first meeting when I got drafted by the Knicks. Um, Donnie Walsh, the GM, um, he apparently he gave him a CD with Larry Bird on him. Um, uh, Larry Bird on it, and he looked at the videos every day to see what 
see what you could do. Like that's a, Larry Bird is a legend. You know, he talked about, you know, um, he can't wait to wear, you know, he what he looked at those tapes almost every day and, you know, he, he always strived to be um, like basically a mirror image of, you know, I get, I see some flashes of Larry Bird, you know, slow, a shooter, not really athletic, but does his best, you know, in the post game and things like that, obviously not Larry Bird, but he's, he's a fantastic player and someone that is going to be used in specific situations that I think Udoka is going to, you know, really, really kind of, I think, kind of basically use him to the best of his ability at the age that he is at. Um, but, you know, he talked about, Steven said, you know, when talking about Gallo, um, he's, and he's accomplished in his 14 years in the NBA with his ability to impact the game, especially in his ability to impact the game in different ways. His shooting, his ability to make tough shots on the block, his ability to draw attention and make the right reads. Obviously, we felt like he was a great fit to the addition of our team and helping us hopefully continue to strive for those next steps. Um, so it looks like it's it's Stevens loves this signing, and I understand, you know, his ability to make tough shots, shooting, all that type of stuff. So hearing all that from you know, being confirmed and hearing that from everyone is exactly, you know, what I think everyone wanted to hear. Um, but just they got introduced today. They got they got to go into the Outback Center um, and, be, and basically, you know, look at, you know, what's, you know, well, this is what I'm, uh, this is what I'm going to do for the next, you know, X amount of years. Gallinari too and Brogdon as, as much as he stays here. Um, it's, it's just exciting. And he, he talks about, I know Brogdon, he was, was on the Woj pod. I don't know if you guys listened to that at all, but, you know, he talked about, you know, he, he needs to embrace that six man role. And he said, if I wanted to come to Boston, um, that would be one thing I needed to embrace. Um, for me, I've made a lot of money, whatever sacrifice to get back to that championship level. I'm willing to do. Um, that's exactly just, we love, basically sacrificing yourself, your role on the team for the bigger picture, um, the championship number 18, the Celtics have been trying to do this for so long. And, you know, Brogdon just saying, you know, like, it, this is exactly like, I don't want to be that number one guy. I don't want to be that main focus. I don't even have to be a play off the bench and contribute and whatever they want me to contribute in. Um, it was exactly what um, I'm hoping is going to be a, a huge, um, a huge, uh, you know, I think Gallinari or Yudoka to even talk about like defensively, I think he's going to build the best defensive team in the NBA. I think the gap only widens now that I'm on the team. Um, Brogdon said that and, you know, it just, he thinks he's an elite defender, an elite scorer. He's, he told told the media today that he is in his prime of his career at age 29. He has so much left to grow. And, you know, he, the Bucks and the Pacers got to see a glimpse of what he can do. But he really said that, you know, coming to Boston, he's going to unleash what he truly can do. And once, you know, once he gets acclimated with the role that he's going to have and, you know, he keeps adjusting to that, I think the sky is a little bit, for a player like this, you know, what I mean? like it's obviously like they're willing. The Celtics are willing to spend twenty million dollars, um, for a player that's coming off the bench. Um, that's definitely a little bit, you know, 
it's kind of like, whoa, that's a lot of money, but at the same time, you want to win. So the Celtics want to win. Pakaluka and uh, Wick Rosepeck want to win. So that's what they're doing. And they're sacrificing a lot for that. And Brogdon's also sacrificing himself. And that's what you got to do to win championships. You have to do that. You have to sacrifice at some point um, in order to win. And this team right now is looking extremely scary. I see this the chat topic. Should the Celtics be the favorites in the Eastern Conference next season? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think it's something that you need to bring up. It's something that I've been trying to talk about for a little bit um, in terms of, you know, Milwaukee, the Celtics, uh, the Miami Heat. I like this Toronto Raptors next season from, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers are always a big question mark, so we'll see about them. But right now it's probably Bucks celtics one like basically tied, like exactly even, I think. Um, both those teams, they're t- they're so solid. They played last night in the summer league um, in a dramatic, dramatic fashion. The Celtics won on a Matt Ryan buzzer, basically a buzzer beater. Um, he made it with 0.5 left on the on the clock. Um, but, I mean, just that, those are the two teams that I think are really going to have the ability to go out of the East the easiest. Um, but, you know, you always have that Kevin Durant factor, um, Kyrie, I don't really know. Um, I mean, you have, like, other teams in terms of whoever Toronto ends up getting, like, the rest of the free agency, like, how does Christian Coloco fit, um, what they want to do. Um, it's it's just a lot of a lot of things. Who What's Philly going to add to their team if they even add anyone? But it's, it's definitely uh, exciting. Um, as a Celtics fan and as, you know, everyone on the Celtics side of things, um, it's it's really exciting. It's uh, it's, it's really uh, ecstatic. And you could see, you know, the press conference, um, you know, with Brogdon and Janelle Gallinari, they have Celtics connections, as I said. Um, it's, I mean, <laughs> this cannot be a more perfect, um, like, situation. Like, these guys are want to make sacrifices they want to win a championship they want to be in boston they see the history they know the history they've been around the history for x amount of years you know that this is this is exactly what you want for, as a celtics fan i know gallinari doesn't get that many people excited but the fact that he is this ecstatic and he has celtics connections and he you know is at this eight at this stage of his career he is just wanting to win a title this bad you know it's he turns 34 um in august so it's it's kind of do or die for him. And they're both saying, you know, this is – how are we doing, Brady? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good, dude. Just talking about uh, Gallup and Brogdon being introduced today. Yes, indeed. Yes, sir. What do you what do you uh, takes on that, man? Well, I like that they both get their numbers, man. I was, I was hoping Gallup would get number eight. Um, you know, he's worn it every single team that he's ever played on. So, I mean, that's uh, – Works out kind of nicely that that number eight opened up. Um, like to see Brogdon getting some shots up in the in the Celtics practice gear and that sort of thing. Um, I wasn't able to catch the press conference, unfortunately, but yeah, it's it's a good day to be a Celtic fan. Yeah, it was a pretty amazing press conference in terms of Brogdon and Gallo just being like you know, I don't really care what my role is. I just want to win a championship. And they were just very, like, Brogdon was like, I don't really care if I'm a six man or I'm a starter or, like, I'm playing this amount of minutes. He just is like, 
I just want to win a championship. And he's, he was like, I'm in the prime of my career and I'm 29 years old. And, you know, I've had connections with the Celtics, you know, I think his grandfather, I said, was a big Bill Russell fan. Um, Gallinari is like, was a Celtics fan when he was younger and he like admires Larry Bird. So I am just, this is like kind of gold in my opinion, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm stoked. We talked about a lot on this podcast actually about how like how much of a dream it felt to be back in the finals after so long, and how good that felt. Um, and I mean, listen, tough loss, but if you're gonna lose the finals, I I have a hard time imagining what a, what a better way to handle it would be than to go out and get a guy like Malcolm Brogdon and a guy like Danilo Gallinari and added to this already excellent rotation i mean it's just uh it feels really good it feels really good to know that we have a competent front office and a competent coaching staff because there are so many teams that do not have those things yeah that's that's without a doubt that's obviously that's uh, something that's we could see during this free agency um especially you know obviously the brooklyn nets and whatever other teams but uh yeah it's just all i know this was just kind of amazing and i just kind of wanted to address that before i also want to talk about like um i wrote a piece on like peyton pritchard um and his like minutes that you know since they got brogdon and gallinari um you know obviously the rotation is really going to be tough um and i wrote a piece on you know peyton pritchard and his ability to get minutes what what do you what's your take on like peyton pritchard going forward um i know in his um exit interview um, he stated that he wanted to play consistently um, 20 minutes every night um, instead of it fluctuating. Um, I don't know what your take is on, like, future of, you know, what Peyton Pritchard um, brings to the Celtics. Uh, yeah, that made me uh, a little sad to hear when he said that. Um, well, I mean, it didn't then, but it does now. Just because he's like, uh, listen, I love Pritchard. Um, my friends and I call him Eight Mile, um, but he's like he's such a matchup dependent guy. I feel like because if you've got the other team has a big point guard, you can't really like Pritchard's going to get exposed defensively. And I love his hustle, yeah. But ugh, I don't know. And then he was on that cold streak to end the playoffs. It's like I I don't know. I he's not a guy that. I feel comfortable giving 20 minutes to consistently every single night, especially not when we have Brogdon and Smart and Derek White and Jalen Brown taking up uh, one and two minutes. Like, I I don't really see that role for him this season, which is sad because I think he's he's got potential still, and I think he could be a good player. Um, I just don't know if that will be with us anymore. Yeah, I I was talking about that, and then I took it um, for, like, the first few. I was also talking about it, like, um, Brogdon is obviously going to take, like, a chunk of his time, but when you when I look at it, um, I look at Brogdon as a versatile guard and someone that could play um, one through three and someone that – he's 6'5", he's long, so – you could really put them in one through three and Pritchard is not someone that could do that. So if you have Brogdon play a different, like 
hundred different positions, you could get Pritchard minutes um, at point guard, and you could play Derek White maybe, um, you know, off the ball if you wanted. Um, so you could play smart off the ball if you wanted. So I think the only way – I think Pritchard will get time, but I don't know about 20 minutes per game. I just think this is good for him in terms of, you know, the guy they got, and that's Brogdon who could play – many positions because if they got really a guy that is a point guard and can't really play anywhere else then that's not what you want because I think the where he thrives the best is with the ball in his hands and he needs the ball in his hands and I think is as a point guard I think that's what he needs to be and he may not be um the first guy you know obviously like the first like point guard off the bench he might bring in Brogdon to handle the ball for like a few minutes um, but I mean, some of the numbers from last season, I mean, it's, I feel like he deserves, um, like he deserves like time in the NBA and you look at, you know, he was Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were the only other two guys that had a higher, um, player efficiency rating than, um, Peyton Pritchard last season. Um, so on the Celtics, so that's, he had the best shooting efficiency on the team in the regular season. Um, I mean, he made the fourth most three-pointers per game in the regular season. Um, I mean, he, he's a guy that I think is is reliable, just given his, you know, he played four years in college and he's experienced um, in that, and basically in that way. But uh, I don't know. I, I just wanted to bring it up because I feel like it's just like a, since the two players that were introduced today, um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's like players that are already on the team, um, we'll definitely take some hits in terms of, you know, rotation wise. And, you know, after the all-star game, I think Pritchard played 18.1 minutes. Um, but I think he's around, he'll play more than Gallinari in my opinion. I think he should. Um, but obviously Brogdon will give you, he could give you like 30 a game if you want. Um, and Pritchard's not that guy. So we'll see what happens with that, but I don't know. It's just a little tough. Yeah, like you said, I mean, one thing going for Pritchard here is that we you can do a lot of wacky lineups with this roster. I mean, like, if you really wanted to, you could run, like, smart at point, like, brown at, at the – I guess – no, I'll go with – let's go crazy. Smart at point, Brogdon at the, at the two, uh, Jalen Brown at the three. You could do Gallo at the four and Grant Williams at the five if you really wanted to. And, like, a weird lineup like that, Pritchard could easily fit his way in uh, at that point guard spot. Yeah. No, I like that. That's actually a – I feel like that's a lineup Yudoka would use um, if you wanted to go small. And especially Gallinari is surprisingly tall. Um, yeah. You know, he's pretty long. So, offensively, I think Celtics fans are going to be absolutely kind of surprised by – Gallinari's ability to make shots he may not be a great defender but just watching this man um he's an elite shot maker like he is arguably one of the most elite players in terms of knocking down difficult shots because some of the shots that he makes are insanely difficult and he attracts a lot of attention on the offensive end um but I feel like he if he buys into which I think he will in terms of you know playing defense as to the best of his ability, I think you're gonna see like insane results. Just given Brogdon is an elite defender, like he's an awesome defender, and then you bring that to a team that, I mean, 
one through five, their starting lineup this past season all could have been in consideration for like a defensive team, like an all defensive team this year. So, I mean, it's, it's a pretty scary defense, um, but offensively, I think the team got a lot better. So it's, it's kind of scary in terms of one through 10 and like whoever they get for a backup big, which I don't know, but I know Steven's alluded to that. um, They're really high in Luke Cornett. I don't know what you think about their, Steven said that he was extremely high on Luke Cornett and uh, they're going to add another center, he said, but he thinks that Luke Cornett could be a, uh, a a piece for them going forward. I don't know what you think about that, but I thought it was pretty interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, I was listening to Locked on Celtics the other day and they were talking about Cornett too. Um, and I know, the Locked on Celtics guys were saying, maybe you roll with Cornett going into the season as your backup. And if you were just getting blown off the court when your bench is in, then, of course, like, you address it. You figure something out. Maybe at the trade deadline you make a move, something like that. But if Cornette's holding his own, I mean, you know, maybe it's not super necessary because, I mean, he's familiar with the team. Obviously, he's the guy that the, the coaching staff's very high on. Um, and, you know, he was always one of the better players in that kind of garbage time unit, right? I mean, it was probably Hauser 1, then Cornette 2, I would say, in terms of uh, those guys. He's an interesting player. Um, I'd be interested to see whether, like, who they bring in. Um, but my gut tells me on that regard, that they're not going external with that player because, I don't know, the center market is kind of weird right now. It's a bunch of people who can't really contribute, and then the people who can are probably not going to sign for the minimum. So I think maybe the the summer league star, um, Fiondu Cabangele, who has played some really cool minutes. Yeah, I, I, I'm down. He played sensational last night um, in terms of, you know, I, I obviously last night's game was was absurd. I I got to catch the fourth quarter. It was it was nuts. I mean, uh, yeah, last night was unbelievable. <laughs> Matt Ryan is has been like insane. He has been just from deep. He has been absurd. I mean, he was six for eleven last night from the three point line. It's <laughs> crazy. Uh, I mean, Sam Hauser, a uh, really bad first game. Um, and he was you know he was average um, last night, but. I, I'm expecting a lot more from Sam Hauser, just given he's pr- he was probably our best. I mean, he only played 17 minutes last night, um, but I think he uh, he's like one probably our best you know player outside like the main rotation. Um, but you talked about it like Mufandu Kamigeli was the highest plus minus in the team. He plus 26 last night um, was a 11 rebounds, seven of them offensive, 15 points, um, two blocks, four assists. I mean, he was all over the place. I mean, he was kind of a beast. I, I would not mind if he got a roster spot. I know um, there was talks about him possibly getting a roster spot. I think he 14 points in his uh, debut. Um, he also led a team in plus minus in that game, uh, plus nine. So he's from one and one right now. So they're doing all right. Um, J.D. Davison has been, like, average. Um, he's, you know, he's struggled to score the ball significantly and make shots he's been you know inconsistent and you can't really 
he's having a hard time making shots and obviously it's early. Um, but I think one of his, his things that he, I think Brad Stevens saw was his playmaking ability. And he had six assists last night, which led the team. And, you know, I think there's glimpses of some potential and he signed a two-way contract. So he's going to be with the Celtics and with the main Celtics. So you're going to have a mix of that um, with J.D. Davison. But I don't know. What are your take on like so far um, summer league wise um, after last night's game and the last night's uh, insane win? Well, yeah, first of all, shout out to Matt Ryan. I mean, just like insane. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the summer league team in the sense that there are a bunch of guys that I could realistically see the Celtics being like, okay, we like this guy's potential. We're going to bring them onto the roster, right? I mean, you said J.D. Davidson's got that two-way contract. Um, I think Hauser, uh, his wasn't two-way, right? He yeah, his was... wasn't two-way, and neither was Cornette, so... Yeah. And then, you know, you've got guys like Common Jelle, um, uh, Bagarin, um, Travion Williams, potentially. His defense is yeah. not great, though. It's not great, but he could score. The, he has a really nice hook shot. That's all I got to say. He does. And his passing, dude. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's quite the highlight guy. But there's a lot of players on that roster i mean matt ryan as well it's just it's a lot there's a lot of guys where i could be like okay i could realistically see the celtics wanting them as as the 14th and 15th man yeah no i i totally agree i think you could see a player like Kevin gelly maybe potentially get a two-way contract because they do have one left um so they could basically sign them for that and i think right now the way he's playing you could totally see it um, I mean, he was drafted in 2019 in the first round. Um, maybe he just needs an opportunity to show what he can do. Um, and I think if he gets a two-way, I mean, you could see him maybe with the Boston Celtics more than you see him in Maine. So it's definitely um, interesting. And then tonight, the Celtics are on ESPN2. They are on ESPN2 tonight um, against Huge. the Warriors. Um, so, you know, I got that little finals rematch. Um which is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, I think that's at eight, but I mean, they're back. They're playing a back to back. So you're going to see, maybe they needed to rest Hauser in terms of playing in the next game because summer league, you only have three or four regular season games. And that basically decides where you're going from there. Um, and I think they play the Grizzlies in the 14th. Um, so you, you basically got to win out to kind of, give yourself a chance and with the talent that's been on display in terms of, you know, Chet Holmgren has been good. Um, but I always like the videos of him just getting like absolutely bodied that I think they're hilarious. <laughs> um, and Keegan Murray for the Kings has been really good. Yeah. They, I mean, there's a lot of good talent, talented players. And obviously this, I don't think the Celtics have like a top level talented guy on their team it's just more of like just a bunch of guys that could play ball that could potentially find rotational spots at the end of the the bench but yeah it's been pretty fun pretty fun um and then tonight they got a game on espn too so we got national tv showing some summer league games it's not it's no longer on like nba tv or whatever right um, but we got some got some big lights shining on the celtics tonight um 
but yeah, I think it's uh, I'm, I think the guy, obviously the guy that shines out to me is probably like Cam Miguelli, but I mean, I think Juhan, um, my boy Juhan, uh, he's super young. I mean, he's probably gonna need like three more years, but that man could dunk the basketball. He's still nineteen, right? <laughs> he's literally not even. I think he may be younger than. He's probably yeah. I think he is nineteen. You're probably right. But oh my he, God, man. <laughs> He's like insane. I think he. Let me check how old he is. And he's been with the Celtics for like nineteen. He's been. He's was born in August of twenty twenty two. Jeez. years old. They drafted him. Um. So he. It feels like longer, man. It feels like longer. I know. But I don't know. We'll we'll see what he does. But the Celtics are kind of just seeing what he can do. And obviously at 19, you're going to probably need two years probably still in. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited just to see him maybe uh, get a, you know, maybe not this year, but, you know, the next year, maybe potentially get a G League contract and potentially see what he could do um, in the G League. But it's kind of fun um, in terms of that type of stuff. But tonight against the Golden State Warriors. So. Definitely tune into that when we get revenge. Did you see that that beef between like Grant Williams and uh, Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis were like yelling at each other during the game? Yeah, on the sidelines. Yeah, that was awesome. That was pretty funny. And I think uh, I don't know what our Pat Connaughton was like saying. Um, Grant Williams was like basically like telling the refs what to do or whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> Thing. but it was hilarious um, Williams is just such a, he's such a guy like he always doesn't matter like um you know he's refing like Celtics practices for the summer like, yeah. doing like what's with these players wanting to ref all of a sudden huh I mean no idea I feel like, Richard Jefferson out there last night yeah, exactly I feel like he would be such a good Grant Williams would be a good ref. Like, I think he would. He would be unbiased, and he would – I feel like Because he wouldn't take shit, you know? Yeah, he's knowledgeable. He's probably one of the smartest guys on the team. Um, And exactly. He wouldn't be like, you know, he talk, someone talks to him, and he would just be like, all right, stop talking. And he would honestly, like – he would throw a coach out or throw a player out if he needed to. So, I know. I salute Grant Williams for whatever he does um, in the summer. And we'll see uh, – how they mesh because a lot of those Celtics players I heard were like ecstatic with the additions. Um, so good. Um, I I bet you Jason Tatum's on vacation right now. Hopefully he's on vacation. No, nah, what... he is. I saw him at some uh, some concert or something. Someone posted like a uh, a video. They were holding up a sign that was like Steph Curry's your daddy. Oh. They showed it to him and he just like laughed it off. That's funny. So he's he's on vacation right now driving that's exactly what you need you need all your players al horford better be just like laying in bed yeah literally don't <laughs> literally don't conserve all your energy <laughs> like that's i feel like he's probably doing that right now i don't even know what he's doing he's probably just chilling what he's hibernating he definitely he's like a bear he's probably just like <laughs> gonna come out at a hibernation and just like feast <laughs> so excited for uh Train like obviously training camps like not for a long time, but I mean September and October are like so long away, and I just want to see this team actually play a game. Dude, so, I haven't been this excited for the Celtics since like since we traded. Yeah, literally. I, I mean, I was excited because 
of Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Kyrie's duo, I was like, man, this is going to be an elite, an elite team. And you have Al Horford on that team, and that team was loaded with that talent. That team was dirty. Because now you have players on other teams that are like from that team that were on the bench that are like playing integral roles on other teams like Rozier. Here, uh, Marcus Morris got even better. Like he was playing a big piece um, on the LA Clippers, and you got guys off the bench that were playing, you know, some huge minutes for for the Celtics and Young, Tatum and Brown. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be a interesting uh, season. It's definitely going to be a lot of hype, which you know I think we talked about it last time in terms of you know the Celtics and kind of pressure and what. You yeah, know, I mean it's happen. it's. Uh, we're um, obviously that team never worked out because you know, yeah, it's uh, I, I those guys. I mean, you yeah. know, Marcus Morris talks a lot of talks a lot of trash. But, uh, you know, I I still think he's a player. I still got some respect for him. Uh, Rozier, yeah, Rozier, I loved. I I have I was like one of my favorite players when he was playing. He was awesome just in terms of like his character and him just being like he was just a funny guy and he was just super clutch um he always came up in big moments and you know, obviously now he's on charlotte and he got the bag for it so good for him and charlotte's kind of a mess right now but rosier is not a mess and he's only improving um and that team was was fun um but obviously i just remember like watching that first game of the season um and then watching gordon hayward go down and i was like um, I think I stopped watching the game after Gordon Hayward went down. I was so excited, and then he got injured, and I was like, "There's the season." Um, but it didn't actually turn out that way because the Celtics season was um semi successful in terms of you know Kyrie was out, and then you, I mean, somehow got to the conference finals. I don't know how, but they did, and look at them now. They finally got to the finals. So I don't know. It's definitely uh exciting, um, but did want to move on to the last segment. Um, I wanted to do top five Celtics players of all time, just because I feel like you know there's not like that much to talk about. Don't take that much, take that long on it, but made a nice little list. Maybe it's controversial, maybe it's not. Um, but after they were in, after Brogdon and Gallinari were introduced, um, and they talked about you know their love for the history of the Celtics and things like that. I have the idea of just kind of like looking at obviously the Celtics have an insane amount of legends, so it's basically impossible to like you know rank rank them. And I found this incredibly difficult. Um, once I got past like number one, so I don't know what you think about it, but uh, if you could start if you want, I don't really care. Um, but I just thought this would be a fun thing to do since we don't have like that much content to talk about because it's not even um the season uh yeah can you hear me I'm... yeah no i could hear you okay good i don't know app is uh do you want to start with with number one or like number five i've got an honorable mention yeah i'll we'll do honorable mentions for i got an honorable mention too but we'll, we'll let's do honorable mention first that's fine cool mine is dave cowens um beast i mean it's it's tough he, um, you know, pre Larry Bird, um, post, he's, 
yeah. he was kind of like in that in between period, easily forgotten about in like the Celtics. Yeah. Um, longer. I mean, that guy was a stud. I don't have his exact stats and accolades up in front of me, but you know, I was, I didn't know him up until like for this segment, but you know, read it's fantastic. You with Tommy Heinsohn though, so. He yeah, I mean Tommy Heinsohn was an he was an awesome coach, but he was definitely a very strict coach. And Dave Collins, Dave Collins is one of my honorable mentions too. Um, he he was not that tall. I mean he was a six nine center, um, that played in the you know, he mostly played center but power forward at the same time. Um, I, he was incredible. I mean he had. He averaged, I mean, 17 points a game and won two championships with the Celtics. He averaged 13.6 rebounds. Um, and during his Celtics career, um, he only played one season that was in 82. But all his other seasons, he played with the Celtics, and he was incredible. Um, one rookie of the year, most valuable player. Um, it was just – he was an awesome, awesome player. So I think he also gets overshadowed just given, you know, you have like the – Russell era, and then he's like in between the 70s. It was kind of weird, but the Celtics were also successful. So I think Callens is, is a good shout. And I had um, Kuzi and Sam Jones as my other honorable mentions, but I didn't, they didn't crack my yeah. top five. But I think they're both, you know, legends in their own right. And, you know, Sam Jones died re- relatively recently. Um, I mean, I... I was familiar with, you know, Sam Jones's connection in terms of, you know, him and Casey Jones playing together and, um, you know, playing with, you know, Bill Russell and Bob Cousy and his, you know, their greatness. But, you know, when I, I didn't dig into, you know, the beef of what Sam Jones actually did until, you know, like a while ago, but the man was sensational. Just his, he was probably one of the clutchest Celtics players of all time. Um, obviously the sixties are like a weird time, but, um, you know, he was fantastic. And then Kuzi, I mean, I feel like he speaks for himself. He was just sensational with the ball in his hands. So probably like the first point guard um, this league has like ever seen, like a elite point guard this team, this league has ever seen. So that's what I got from my honorable mentions. But if I had had one more honorable mention, I would have put uh, Sam Jones on there. Yeah, man was man was a beast. I was a big fan of Sam. Obviously, I never got to see him play, but. Wish I did. Wish I did. Sam Jones. Yeah, facts. Recipe Sam Jones, John Havlicek, um, Tommy Heinsohn, JoJo White. A lot of Celtics that legends have actually died relatively recently. So yeah, past couple. Years. Yeah, thank God. Bill's Bill's still thriving. Man is always. But I don't think Bill will ever die, man. That's what I'm saying. He legit aging. But like he doesn't like there's no like notice of like him in bad health. Like he's constantly just like at a basketball game. Like I'm like, okay, man, you do you. It's kind of funny. But yeah, number you want to do number five? Yeah. My all right. So my list is it's based on like accolades and stuff and like what but really, to me, it's more about, like, like who they are. 
meant to the Celtics and that sort of thing. That's really what I prioritize. So number five, I have Paul Pierce. Um, leader of the eight squad. Um, he won that finals MVP. Yet stars. Um, all NBA first team, but he made one All NBA second team and three All NBA third team. Um, you know, a lot of people like to knock Paul Pierce, um, especially since he became an analyst. But I feel like he gets pretty disrespected nowadays, and um, he just—he's the truth, man. Was this franchise? He was yeah. the. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah, that's that's part of the. Re- I mean, he's on my list. He's 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 like higher than five, but he. I just have him. I think he's the definition of what a Celtic is. Like he he was the gap between the eighties and you know the success of the Celtics past then. Like he was, he gave Celtics fans hope, and when there was minimal hope, and you know, there were seasons where the Celtics weren't that successful, but you saw Paul Pierce dropped 50 in like a game and you were like wow this is kind of amazing so i i love paul pierce too but uh my number five is kevin McHale. um i think probably in my opinion arguably the best post player of all time arguably tim duncan could be in as on the list but kevin McHale's post moves were absurd and they were some of the best i've ever seen um, when I played basketball, I tried to mimic in the post what um, Kevin McHale did just because he was one of the most elite players I've seen in the post. Um, just highlight reels. I mean, his best year was probably 86 when they had probably the best team of all time. Um, he averaged 26 points a game. I mean, arguably one of the not almost 10 um, rebounds, 9.9. Um, it's just, I mean, he, he was an analyst, he was a coach. Um, obviously he wasn't like a, uh, you know, a coach for the Celtics or he, he kind of participated with the Celtics after his career, after he retired in 93. Um, but seven time all-star three time defense, all defensive first team, um, two time six man of the year. I mean, three time NBA champion. I mean, he's, he's kind of a, a pretty, pretty, I mean, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see if, uh, you know, what he does for his uh, future in terms of, you know, what is he going to do? Um, I think right now, I don't know what he's doing right now, but he did coach the Rockets and from for four years. So that's, um, and the Timberwolves. Um, so it's definitely, uh, definitely an awesome guy. And one of the best players um, I've like personally uh, watched highlights of, and I'm like been super impressed with um, just like all the documentaries you see on like, he was, he was sensational. So, that's who I got at my number five. Dude, too. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty baller guy. But yeah, I think him and uh, him and Larry and Robert Parrish were the Celtics in the nineteen eighties. And I think it's hard to you know credit Larry Bird for being what he was, but Mikhail was also there. So, I don't know. Got to give a shout to big give big Kevin Mikhail. Yeah, love, love Kevin. Well, yeah, number number four. Yeah, number four. Uh, I went with. I would try to have a. Um, eight that. rings. Uh, 
2013 All-Stars. Four oh. NBA first teams, seven All-NBA second teams, five All-Defense first teams, three All-Defense second teams. Like, his accolades, I listen, I knew he was like, stuff, but I didn't realize his accolades were that crazy. Like, yeah. Man. Like, and he, he's, he's, yeah. it's hard for me to put into words. Yeah. I mean, obviously, another 70s guy, but he was, yeah, he is also my number four. He was uh, insanity. He was amazing. Um, leads the Celtics in total points. Um, was just 20.8 points per game in his career. That's just insane. Uh, they drafted him in 62. Um, I mean, he wasn't like a, you know, like their big piece, and he played from 62 to 78. Um, I mean, you said like eight-time NBA champion, third. So, and he played a long time. And, I mean, he did, he died in 2019. Um, it's just, I mean, he was a freaking beast. I mean, the dude could score the basketball with, like, literally the best of them. Um, I mean, in 1970 and 71, he averaged 28.9 points per game. That was as high as he's, at, he's had in his career. Um, that was – I think that was obviously his best year statistical-wise. Nine rebounds and seven point five assists. That's that's insane. Um, that's that's absurd. From and obviously, they didn't have a three point line, so he's doing all yeah. this. Um, twenty eight points a game without the three. Um, so you really take that. <laughs> you really are like this man could have had more points if there was a three point line. And I always say that about Larry Bird. If there was a three point line earlier in his career. I, <laughs> I mean, this dude would have been insanely high in the scoring list. Obviously, he's really not, but his shooting ability was was sensational. And Havlicek is the same thing. And obviously, you know that like clutch play, like Havlicek steals the ball, like that. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the best plays in Celtics history. So, Why yeah, he's my that? number four. Yeah, pretty pretty legend. But uh, number three, number three. Number three, I have Bob Cousy, man. I, like, I couldn't leave him off. I think he, like you were saying earlier, um, like, he is the point guard. Like, he is what it means to be a point guard. You know, I mean, like, I mean, I guess Jerry West played a little too as well, but, like, like, it's those two, right? I mean, he won an MVP, 13 All-Stars. Um, 10 All-NBA first teams, two All-NBA second teams. I mean, he pioneered, that's the word, pioneered that position. It, like, it's it's Bob Cousy. I can't leave him off the list. I just yep. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think he is, like, personified what a point guard means. I think it was hard to leave him off the list for me, but I, I think he is exactly, like, what – like, he basically – invented the point guard position. I don't think there was a point guard position before Bob Cousy came there. And, you know, just a, a legend in his own right. And, um, you know, obviously he's just, you know, I think he's, he's actually 93. So he's still, uh, still going, um, but just an awesome, awesome guy. He played from 1950 to 1963. Um, I mean, I mean, he was known for his, you know, playmaking ability and, you know, he averaged in his career around 18 points. Um, but he was an awesome, awesome player. And, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I was really had a hard time leaving him off. I mean, he won six titles, won the MVP, 13-time All-Star. Like, that's absurd. Um, eight-time NBA assist leader. <laughs> he did that for eight consecutive seasons. That's absurd. Um, I mean, this guy, he knows, what's, he knows how to score the ball, knows how to distribute. Um, and, yeah. I mean, honestly, if I – out of all like the live Celtics, I would totally want to have a conversation with Bob Cousy because I feel like it would be really informative. Um, but my number three, my number three is uh, Paul Pierce. I honestly, it was more because of what he meant to me and like what um, Paul Pierce did in terms of reviving the Celtics um, from being such. You know, the 90s was just bad, and the Celtics were not good. And then, you know, they were really good in the middle. Like, they were the worst team in the league in 2007, and they won the title in 2008. Um, but Paul Pierce was always that steady guy. He was always that guy just putting up numbers. He always took a ch- – whatever challenge came his way, he always was like, I don't really care. I'm going to stand up to that challenge. And I always saluted him for that. Um Obviously, people had their opinions on Paul Pierce, but, I mean, the man can score the basketball. I mean, he was a sensational basketball player. And, obviously, he at the end of his career, you know, it was, it was tough for him. He played on a bunch of different teams. But with the Celtics, I mean, the dude was awesome. He was fantastic. I'm not more so looking at his accolades. I'm more looking at Paul Pierce as what he meant for the Boston Celtics. And what he meant was – revival resurrection and basically bringing the Celtics team into success when there wasn't when they haven't known success for so long so I I gotta I gotta give my three spots to Larry just because of that it's absolutely fair like I mean bringing it back you know it's it's easy to see it's like you know how why we like why um he pretty consistently in the top five of everybody's list yeah without a doubt without a doubt just a good it's tough too because it's like the celtics have so many of those players guys that like absolutely evolutionized positions and like all that stuff that it's like this the history is so rich that it I feel kind of diluted almost. Yeah. No, I agree. You have like a lot of players that like Tommy Heinsohn, um, Jojo White could have made the I mean Robert Parrish, um, I mean Dave Callen, like we talked about Dave talked about, um, Casey Jones. I mean um, yeah. Sash Sanders was really good for a while. Um I mean, you had a lot of Celtics players. And then, like, recent, like, Kevin Garnett, I mean, obviously, probably not giving you a top five, but, I mean, mm. he meant a lot of Celtics. So, um, and he got his number retired. So, I mean, you look at all those numbers. They're running out of numbers at this point. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, whenever I uh, see Broderick Thomas wearing number nine, maybe uh, we, should, <laughs> we should figure something out. Uh, it's like every year they have to, like, <laughs> Um, but yeah, well, I, I'm wondering if they, uh, the next person or it's, I don't even know who they would on it. I, I, if Isaiah Thomas comes back, 
I would not be opposed to tiring his number just because he was just a great dude. Love that man so much. I love him so much. I'm, and I was left. I won't. I don't think he ever will, but I really I mean, want to. I don't even care if he plays. I literally just wanted to like be in green again. Like, just yeah. means he was just so dominant, so awesome. Um, I don't know. I mean, he brought that team from like nothing to basically the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Like, it was night and day from when he got there to like he's literally like one of the smallest guys in the NBA, and he's scoring thirty points per game. Like. Yeah, that's something else. Oh, that's something else. But uh, and two, like no, being the last pick in the draft for the Kings, and then being in that weird like uh, Suns point guard line, like Dragic and like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. Over and beating the Celtics. Yeah, man, just resurrected his career with in Boston. Just a beast. Now Plus he, he uh, uh, he played high school in Connecticut for a little bit, so I gotta give yeah. him a little extra love for that. There you go, gotta love the Connecticut guys. Um, but uh, number two, number two, my number got? two is 11 rings, the 12 all stars, NBA teams, like, like. What do we even really need to say about him? He speaks for himself, right? Yeah. It's beast. I, I, I totally agree. Bill Russell's my number two. He's a freaking beast. Like, one of the best players. I mean, how does someone average 22 rebounds in their career? I personally, I don't know how that's possible. I, I don't understand. I don't care. Obviously, people say he's playing against, like, whatever players. But still, 22 rebounds in your career. That's... Come on now. Like, that's that's crazy. That is insane. Um, he averaged more rebounds in his career than he had points. I mean, t- how do you have 21,620 rebounds in your career? That's absurd. Insane. Like, that's a – he had – yeah, that's – that's. I feel like a lot of people, like, points are a big focus. In some of these games with him grabbing, like, 40 boards in a game, and you're like, how in the world – is someone grabbing 40 rebounds in a game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bill Russell's a winner. He's a definition of a winner, and I think a lot of people in, like, the sports world, there was, you know, success in terms of Major League Baseball and, you know, guys being successful on, like, you know, per se, the Yankees. Or, but the, I don't think there was, like, a guy that you could be, like, you know, this guy is – a winner he is like the winner of like he wins all the time and like he is the definition of what a successful sports athlete is and i think this bill russell was like one of those first guys um in united states professional sports to be like a consistent consistent winner um year in and year out and i mean he's my number two he's just a just a beast love bill russell but yeah Yeah, i mean agreed there's so like many both. things about like no one else in the history, maybe the history of and you can say that about so many of Bill Russell's like career achievements. Yeah, literally. literally. Um, but I think we both have like the same number one. But 
I mean, um, of course, we wouldn't be Celtics bird at number one. Yeah. Um, best player in Celtics history, a phenomenal three-point shooter, a phenomenal scorer, a phenomenal trash talker, uh, yeah. former rookie of the year, nice. uh, all defensive teams, 50-40-90 club, uh, nine all-NBA first teams, yeah. dominating. Yep. Just a legend. I mean, I what I always talk about Larry Bird is when just like his trash talking and his ability to be like, I'm so much better than you. And like, he just is like, you know, then just proves it on the court or the stories of him saying, I'm going to do this move on you and there's nothing you can do to stop me. And he just does the same thing. And then he just makes a shot like those kind of stories. And like the fact that he's won three um, NBA three point contests um, and that story of him saying, like, who's ready to finish second um, in the three-point contest because I'm going to win. And then he goes out and he dominates. Just He shot for a whole game and scored, like, game. 40, didn't he? Yeah, a whole game. I, I or Apparently, I think the story is he got bored um, of shooting <laughs> right hand, so he decided, bored. he decided to do it with his left hand. I was like, oh, no, man. Um, but yeah, oh, I don't think anybody else has done that. Uh, to my knowledge, sure. I don't. I don't think there's that many people that. I don't honestly think there's anyone that's done that, unless it's like in the, the '60s, possibly, or like later, earlier in the league's history. But definitely not. Um, I mean, maybe Michael Jordan. I don't actually know, but that's a great analysis that I'll. I'm checking. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I don't know if Michael Jordan did that, but um, that's a great question. I don't know. He played. Um, Will and Bill Russell did that. Oh, legend! Let's look at that. Didn't even Michael Jordan didn't even do it. Gosh, three hacks wrong. Yeah, Jordan had 88, 91, 92, 96, and 98. So not three in a row. Sorry, man. Not three in a row. Um, but yeah, that's uh that concludes the list. But uh yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of players they could definitely shout out um in terms of you know the Celtics history, but it was kind of difficult um for me for sure. But uh yeah, that'll we'll probably be back um next week if there's any um I probably will guess the Celtics are gonna sign a big man this week. Um that's my guess. I don't know if What's going to happen with that? But that's my guess. Um, I think it's going to be this week. I don't know why, but I just have a feeling that's going to be this week. Um, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about maybe a little bit of summer league and we'll talk about some other things. But um, yeah, just exciting. Celtics world exciting right now. And Brogdon and Gallinari are officially Boston Celtics. Number 13 and number eight, just thriving in green. So uh, yeah, we're doing good, doing great. And uh yeah, thanks, Brady, for joining me. Um, we'll be back uh, next week. Oh, it was... Yeah, man, you too. Yeah, man. See ya.